Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. This is Chris Parker, and I am having a conversation with Hannah McPherson. And we're going to be talking about filmmaking. And this is all part of the 48-hour film project series, uh, really celebrating the upcoming Filmapalooza, which is, I think, on the 18th to the 21st of March. And on Saturday the 20th, Hannah and myself and some others will be on a live panel. And so um, if you want to hear more about what's going on and how people who have participated in the 48-hour film project um, have made feature films, please join us on Filmapalooza. And if you want to know more about what the 48-hour film project is, there is an episode with uh, Mark Rupert, who is one of the founders. And so there's some background knowledge that will be really handy when you maybe you listen to Mark before this. But if you haven't, then go back a couple episodes and pick that up. So this episode is all about Hannah. Hannah, thank you for joining. Can you share with us what is it that you do and why are you doing what you do? Uh, sure. I am fortunate enough to be making a living now writing and directing movies and television uh, in Los Angeles. And it's something that I wanted to do since I was a child. Like I, you know, picked up my dad's VHS camera when I was 12 and was making my sister wear all these crazy costumes. And I had a typewriter and I was writing scripts. So it just sort of has been in my blood. And uh, in my 20s, the 48-hour film project was hugely inspirational and instrumental in giving me the tools. I had been to film school. I went to film school in Los Angeles for college. But, you know, just doing the work has sort of been my mantra. And it, it finally paid off. Um, and I've always been someone who liked having a job. So I've had lots of different day jobs to support um, what for a long time was just a passion. And, and now I've been able to transition, you know, into doing that full time. It always feels, if, you know, that it could disappear at any moment. But right now it's it's great. And I'm thankful. You mentioned it's in your blood. Um, <clears throat> why? Meaning meaning you've you've and we'll get into some of it, but you shared you've been in, in television and, 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 and film and in different formats, and you've been continuing to write and create and deliver. And, and can you go deeper than, than it's in your blood? What, what is it that inspires you to create like this? It's such an interesting question, and it's something I've thought about a lot. I am from a family of storytellers in terms of just people who love to tell a story. Um, and both my parents do sort of write as hobbies. Um, my dad has been writing a lot of short stories lately and they're wonderful. He's also a painter. Um, he, that's his, so I grew up in a household of artists. My father ma has made his entire living painting these beautiful landscapes and skyscapes of the, of the Southwest. Um, and also struggled horribly in the 70s and 80s to make that work and had lots of odd jobs and then has supported our family that way. So I never, I was lucky to not have family that looked down on somebody who was so passionate about a very specific, odd, challenging choice as a career. But I didn't really know what filmmaking was. I just knew um, 
that that's how I wanted to tell stories. I don't know. I started out thinking, oh, I want to write novels. And I read all the time and I would write, but I always wanted to make the people talk. And I wanted, and I loved watching movies. And I think Gone with the Wind was the first movie where I then became obsessed with everything I could read that was behind the scenes and trying to understand how this movie came to fruition. Um, but I just have a calling and it's both a curse uh, and a blessing. My sister, you know, says, you're so lucky you've always known what you wanted to do. And I feel that that is true. I've been very focused, but it's such a scary pursuit. Speaking of scary pursuits, um, one of your projects, well, you know, I think three series um, of, of shows it was called Tagged. I watched the trailer a bit before we met each other, you know, online for this conversation. And I was feeling mixed emotions of feeling of like, no, 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 no. But I, but I also was stuck, you know, like, no. And this is just in the trailer. So I, I am, I am just, seduced to discover more about this series called Tagged. And you wrote that, you directed that, and you brought that to fruition. So can you share just the, you know, the, the Gone with the Wind backstory of how that happened? Yes, and it's, it's actually a great tie-in to the 48-hour film project because, like I said, in my 20s, I had um, spent time working uh, in various odd jobs in sort of film industry or film industry adjacent and making these short films on the weekends with friends, you know, for no money, no one made any money. Um, and when I moved to Los Angeles, I wrote this feature, uh, this, it was a, it was a pilot, an hour long dramatic pilot first tagged. And um, it's partly, I have always liked um stories and shows about teenagers I think I gravitate towards that I feel like I'm a 16 year old you know in my in my body and but I also think everyone can sort of relate to the coming of age idea when everything seemed possible and yet everything was sort of life or death stakes and with you know I'm one of the I'm someone who did not grow up with social media. Like I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college. Um, and I am so thankful of that. And I, I also have always loved horror movies, thrillers. So I sort of was combining the two. I even started to sort of exercise this at the end of my stay in New Mexico. And I was making short films is that there is nothing scarier to me than a teen girl with a cell phone. You know, they're able to, figure out how to build a pipe bomb or, you know, get their dealer to drop drugs on their back porch or send nudes to an older gentleman. So I um, wanted to sort of dig into that space. So I wrote this pilot about these girls who are tagged in an online video of another girl being murdered and no one believes them. And they have to sort of figure out who this mystery person is. Unfortunately, he knows way too much about them because they overshare on social media. So he's blackmailing them. And I, I just wrote from my heart. I mean, this pilot, I, I was new to writing television. I just sort of had a spec script. And, you know, it's a great story of sort of like getting passed from a friend of a friend to a friend and finally finding a producer. 
I don't think I would have been hired to direct that if I didn't have an arsenal of short films. And specifically the ones towards the end of my stay in New Mexico, we had even shot a sizzle reel for the concept of Tagged. Um, and so when Tagged got set up and this first season was a very low budget for TV, it was eight half hours of television. The entire thing cost less than a million dollars but it was more money than I'd ever had. And we, I convinced the producers to let me go back to New Mexico to shoot because of their great tax incentive. And I hired all the friends that I'd made 48 hour film project films with for seven years and everyone got a paycheck. And it's probably the highlight of my career this far. And then we went three seasons. So it was the next three and a half years of my life was writing 12 episodes um, and then block shooting. Uh, we always kept, just for money's sake, I was the only director and we would block shoot 12 episodes. Um, in like, I think season two, we had 22 day schedule and season three, we had a 26 day schedule. Um, so, you know, I would take this cast of 20 year olds who were playing 16 year olds to, we would have the high school for two days and they would shoot every scene that happens in 12 episodes in two days at the high school. And these actors, the ability to jump emotionally through the hoops and the ability for my uh, team, the, the, the DP I used on all my 48s is the DP who shot three seasons of Tagged. Um, our ability to work fast and adjust schedule and location is because of the 48 hour film project. Yeah, I was gonna ask, and, and you just answered it, like like the skills and mindset of, of creating during the 48 weekend must have just set you up for that yeah but I think you know the ability to be light on your feet and um realize you show up at a location and they no longer you know want you there or they've scheduled something else and just be really flexible like I've never been too precious about what the day is going to look like because I know all of filmmaking is chaos and I learned that with friends on the weekends, you know, um, just being able to stay cool headed and have a solution is the only way forward, especially when you have such a tight budget and such a tight schedule. Do you prefer having a tight budget or would you rather have an unlimited budget? What, what's your. I think there is a problem with irresponsible spending in Hollywood. And I will just say that I have slowly um, been able to spend more money on my projects. Um, I did a TV movie for Blumhouse last, uh, two years ago, and we had a, you know, we sort of had the size of the season one budget of Tagged for just a movie. So only 90 minutes instead of four hours. But um, we also shot in LA, which a dollar goes, you know, a very short distance in comparison to New Mexico. So I think there's pros and cons. I'm about to direct a movie that has a substantially larger budget, but you know how it is. It's always going to feel like too little money. Uh, it also, it's also a much more complicated script with um, some things that are expensive. So um, I don't desire to go make Marvel movies that break the bank. I mean, my sister is the executive director of a nonprofit food pantry. I can't in good conscience spend the type of money that those movies spend. Yeah, I, I 
work in various industries, um, you know, in fashion, which has a very, very slim margin, and then financial services, which has, yeah, I think you, the irresponsible spending is uh, possible when you have such high margins. And the culture is, you can really see the difference in the culture. Um, and, mm. and with, you know, if you have, I think if you have a foundation in the 48, um, where it's, it's there, you're doing it for the passion and you've got to be just extremely lean and, and, and lean into the story. Um, no, I love it. Another project you did was, um, and I'm really curious on why you did this. It was, it was a vertically shot, I think f- maybe even feature. Um, yeah. Okay. How, how and why? Cause I know vert- vertical filmmaking was a thing for a very brief moment. Um, is that the time that you did that or was it done for another reason? Yeah, it, it, well, it's a interesting, I sort of like to think of it as like an art piece. Um, I, when I sold Tagged, uh, I got representation, I got great managers and agents, and I was going out and taking a ton of meetings as sort of, you know, this voice of a younger generation and someone who really understood social media. Um, and I met with a company called Indigenous Media, who is very excited about exploring new ways to tell stories um, and, and, and sort of find ways to inject stories into people's daily lives, make storytelling accessible. And I had been excited about this idea of shooting a movie in real time over five days on Snapchat. Um, I was... I like probably have some like CIA tracking me for how much I watch kids who are under 18 on all, you know, TikTok, Snapchat. Um, But I'm fascinated by their behavior and Snapchat had just started and I saw the strangest things on, you know, like friends of my cousin Snapchat. Like I really did see a girl, I think like lose her virginity or she was lying. I didn't watch it happen. It's just like she snapped before and snapped after. And I, first of all, my head cannot process what it would have been like to be 16 and have these tools at my fingertips. But I, you know, I love horror movies. I was definitely a 17, 18 year old who was in the theater when Blair Witch came out. And I didn't know if it was real or fake. Like I sort of knew it had to be fake, but I wanted to believe that they had found these reels of footage. And I feel that we can no longer have that experience because found footage, we just know now that found footage is not real. And so the idea that these big YouTubers were Snapchatting their daily life and they had millions of followers. So we found a great partner in Andrea Russett who had millions of followers across YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. And she, you know, we cast someone to play her cousin um, and this cousin comes to town and Andrea started tweeting about it two weeks in advance. My cousin's coming to visit. We're going to go camping and then just building out this trip to the woods. Uh, and she, she, her cousin takes over her account and is snap uploading. They're looking for sick house, which is what the movie's called. And then they find it and um, they basically all die. And Andrea's accounts went dark. So the over four or five days, Twitter had gotten louder and louder and louder. Like, what are they doing? Is this real? What's happening? And then um, people were calling the cops because they thought she was hurt or dead. And it was just such an incredible social experiment. And the movie is now packaged 
as a feature, I insisted that it be shot vertically because that is how teenagers use their phones. If we had shot it horizontally, we would have given it away straight out of the gates. Would we have been able to sell it then? Possibly. We were basically unable to distribute a vertically shot movie. So that's what I get for authenticity. But, um, you know, pulling the wool over these people's eyes and having them experience this roller coaster of fear that they didn't know. It's just like, to me, that there's no price tag on that. Okay, Hannah, we're going to have to dive into that. I think this is going to become a psychological session here. Why do you need to scare people? And why, well, listen, you know, you're good at it. So what, what is it about this adrenaline thing that you're creating or how, how is that? I'm just so fascinated about how you came up with that concept to build up that kind of intense suspense and basically just big, huge mindfuck um, for the fun of it. I love it. H how, how did, how does this happen within you? Gosh. I do feel like this is therapy. Um, <laughs> well, I want you to do I, more of it. So this is, I guess we're not trying to cure you of something. We're, we're saying, okay, well, you know, how do we, how do we, um, you know, create more of this? My family is not dark at all. And they are uncomfortable with the, you know, they, they want to support me and they want to watch the things I make, but they are terrified. My sister has nightmares. She can't stand it. This is like the type of thing that I, I want to explore, but I've always been the kid who like, picked up the rock and turned it over and there's all the bugs and the slime. And like, that's the part I like. That's what I like about humanity. I don't, I think there's two reasons. I think that fear is a universal emotion. And when you unlock, when you push someone to feel fear, all of a sudden they can fear, feel all the other things you want them to feel. Tagged was an exploration of, it was a, warning shot to teenagers to stop oversharing on social media. If someone over 30 had come out and made a show that looked like it was trying to tell kids to get off their phones, no one was going to buy it. But this type of show that scared them, but in like a very sexy, fun, accessible, authentic way. I mean, the amount of tweets that I've gotten that are like, I really want to put my phone down now. And I consider those personal wins. Um, same thing definitely with the Blumhouse movie Pure, which is about purity ring, purity ball culture, um, and what I see as the patriarchy trying to control women's sexuality. That is a way to scare people into taking a look at ownership and, you know, sort of gender hierarchy. So I guess I, I like being scared is an answer. And I think that when you scare people, you can tell them something that they won't listen to if they're just feeling like it's a drama or a preachy, you know, film. What, what is your favorite scary movie or, or, or video experience, shall we say? Sure. Yes. Um, the Ring, hands down. Why? It's so scary. It's so self-aware. I love how it's using technology. It's making a commentary basically on TV watching and 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 technology. Um, so I like that it's self-aware. It's unique, which is hard to do in horror. It has a mystery, which all my favorite horror movies have like a very cool mystery. They're not, I'm not a blood and guts person. Um, and it's emotional. It's about a bad mom. The first time we meet Naomi, 
Watts, she's showing up late to pick up her son from school, who becomes the ultimate mother. She like saves Samara and saves her son. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that those images have stayed with me my whole life. I remember when I was younger, this will age me, um, Amity House, I think was the first horror that I stayed up and watched without my parents' permission. <laughs> that is still, that is still sort of, yeah, scarred me. <laughs> yeah. In a good way, it, I think. So, um, no, but you're right. They, yeah. they change, those movies change you. Blair Witch changed me. Um, you're never the same. I, I'm going to have to bite because these are things I don't know. What is a purity ring and a purity ball? I, I don't even know what these words mean. Um, it's in uh, some Christian culture, a daughter might promise to her father that she will remain a virgin until marriage and she wears a purity ring. And these purity balls are a celebration of that. So the a dad and daughter will go to like a dinner and a dance um, but to me, I, I am not religious. And I also think that the way society has skewed the idea of female sexuality is horrifyingly dangerous. The idea that a man must protect your virginity until he can grant it to a, a husband who he's basically going to pick for you um, is already horrifying enough. So that horror movie is about some girls at a purity, a purity retreat who are going to pledge their virginity for safekeeping to their fathers. Cause you know, God forbid they make any decisions on their own. Um, and they sort of bring to life the entity of Lilith, the most the scorned woman who was sent to hell. And we don't know who to fear if we should fear her or, and the truth is the men are the monsters, right? The men are controlling and, calculating and was it this, has an incredible end was this lilith um the the a lilith of your creation or a lilith of mythology or a combination mythology um and is it's wild to me how little i knew about her but she is supposedly the first woman uh created adam and lilith um, but she slept with an archangel. She betrayed her, you know, like loyalty to man. And so she was sent to hell. And then they made Eve from Adam's rib. And I just, and we talk about that in the movie, but it's like the woman who had freedom, especially freedom in her own sexuality, uh, was punished in the most horrifying way possible. So she will return. <laughs> Well, it will exact her revenge. Don't you worry. Yeah, it's interesting how with with you know mythology and the stories that are that are a bit more timeless, how much wisdom there's actually there that that in principle we forget. Yeah, and then and then we're um, you mentioned that you I think lived in Brussels. Uh, it was Antwerp actually. In Antwerp, in in Belgium. Um, and for people who would like to get in touch with Hannah, her uh, Instagram handle is Schwarmy. Um, and if you have lived in Western Europe, you know what Schwarma means. So I, I instantly clued in on that. Um, so 
we'll come back to Schwarmy in a bit. Um, wh where was I on, 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 on living abroad and living in different cultures for me has destroyed what I had considered true um, because you know, having, having been, I, I don't even know, say over 50 countries in, in, in my life so far, um, they are beautiful people and have found beautiful ways of respecting and caring and loving for each other that have different rules. Um, and some of these rules are, well, not caring. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you need to, ed you know, edu educate and bring it up and, and move it up. So is, do you feel your storytelling is, is sort of breaking some of these preconceived notions, I, I guess, through, through fear or through education? Is, is that sort of part of the mission? Yes, I think you sort of have hit the nail on the head is that, and part of this is like, I, I know you can absolutely relate to this, is it takes so long to get a project made. And, and, and if you're lucky enough to get to, to go, you know, to, to sort of create it and then go shoot it and then post and then finding a home for it. Um, to me, if I don't, I'm, I've, as much as I love horror, my intention is not just to have a thrill. My intention is to, you know, educate and enlighten and not everyone will agree with me. You know, I was very nervous about the, the movie pure because I never wanted that movie to be about religion and I wasn't trying to, you know, um, hurt or anger Christians, but I did want to talk about the patriarchy and it was such a great way in. So yeah. it is an absolute mandate for me that I find what, that I know what the movie is about for me and how it's going to resonate to carry me through, you know, two to five years of my life trying to make this thing work and happen. And Otherwise, it's not rewarding to me. I mean, I, Tagged has a very serious storyline of a character who's a cutter. She self-harms. And the personal messages I got about people's lives who said were saved by the show, like that, that impacted me in a way I never could have foreseen. But I don't ever want to not do that. And, and same thing with Pure, lots of women who have survived, and I say survived seriously, the purity culture said, this is what it felt like, and I barely made it out. These are very real, very serious human issues that you're able to create a space of hopefully awareness, understanding, <clears throat> dialogue, and compassion. So. Uh, I asked you in the very beginning, why do you do this? I think now we're starting to really get to the, <clears throat> the, 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 the deep core of it. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Um, and where can people watch these? Because I would love to put links to the, all of these because there's something on Hulu I know. Um, is that tagged, yeah. Yeah, tagged you um, have to rent on Amazon and uh, Pure is on Hulu, which is probably just domestic. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's U.S. only. Yeah. I do think maybe um, Pure was part of a Blumhouse series called Into the Dark. They put out a movie every month about the holiday in the month. 
Mm. Um, so I think that they may have in, had international distribution. I, I can look into that. Um, but yeah, that's the best place to find those two things. Great. And also um, some of your 48 hour shorts are online as well. And we'll put some of the links to there. So what would be delightful for me is if we pick, um, you know, two or three of them and, and, and maybe if you have a little paragraph of why that's special to you, you know, so to sort of go into the, you know, the, the, the making of, of, of or the backstory. Sure. And you, uh, you touched on, and, and it's amazing how long projects can take. It's, it's literally a, a marathon. And um, there's a lot of flurry of activity around the actual shoot, but getting up to that point and then actually finishing it and getting it to an audience is, um, well, yeah, it, it requires some, some incredible fortitude. Um, how do you do that? Meaning you're, you're driven by, by the, the, the message as well. Do you, do you have like a portfolio of projects and, and is that, how do you, how do you sort of sustain yourself as a, as an artist and an entrepreneur this way? Yeah. Um, the, you know, some of these things move really quickly, which is shocking. Pure. I got the job. And because it was basic, it was a feature, but it was on a TV schedule because they were putting them out, uh, you know, every month. I got the job the last week of January and I knew that the movie would be on Hulu September 6th. And I had there was no script. So I had three and a half weeks to write a script and then um, three weeks of prep. And it was a 16 day shoot. So really fast. And. Um, you know, that's something that us 48 hour people are good at, but beyond that, I would say most of what I'm doing is juggling a lot of balls. Some will never come to fruition. I've literally had projects die this year where like I, I was one of my first big monetary successes is sort of because of sick house. Sick house was so bizarre because most Hollywood execs don't have Snapchat we were putting this thing out on Snapchat on Andrea Russett's account. Sometimes we, when we would post, there would be over a million opens to that snap within 60 seconds, but, and then snaps disappear after 24 hours. So no one was seeing this, but um, everyone was hearing about it. And I did tons of articles. Uh, I did lots of interviews about Sick House because just no one had made a movie like this before, but I call it the emperor's new clothes because also no one could see it. And it's very limited by being made on Snapchat. Snapchat, you can only shoot in 10 second increments, which is challenging for a horror movie. Like, you know, the long take and the tension of a horror movie, you're just like 10 second little clips. So we had to change how we tried to make things tense. My point is only that because of Sick House, which no one could watch, I got attached to a huge Lionsgate movie to direct. And I did a rewrite of the script, which paid really great money because it was a studio movie. And that movie will never get made for a variety of, you know, sort of insider reasons. And we tried for years. We even took it away from Lionsgate and tried to set it up other places. So that type of work where you're just um, grinding for something that may never come to fruition, you know, luckily I had been paid on that script, but I have two projects alive right now that are features that there's as good a chance 
well, one is gone. One will is dying currently. And the other one, there's a slim hope that we'll still set it up, but it's been a year of work on both um, for maybe no, no movie. So that's why you have to have a lot of balls, right? I also, yeah. I also interview on scripts that I like. My team sends me scripts and most of them I pass on. And I read one right before Christmas that I loved and I interviewed on it several times and I got that job. So, um, and quite frankly, things were starting to get a, a, you know, a little scary financially. So thankfully I got this job. Um, but I, I, I sort of know how I could make money if I needed to, hopefully, like I can, you know, if I, I haven't had a lot of time to write my own stuff in a long time. I've been in development. I'm setting up a TV show um, a, a, at a big studio and we'll be taking that out to distribution this year. So I haven't had a time to just like sit down and write a feature. And I, I feel like I, I would like to do that and try to, um, uh, you know, sell that in the future. So. Love it. We are slowly running out of time, sadly. I got a couple more questions. One is about Heather. And you mentioned that you had scrolled through some of my old episodes, not so old, and, and you and you for some reason you clicked on Heather, and who's my cousin, and she's a, a Reiki practitioner. Um, wh what did you discover there? Like wh what was what was what drew you to to that conversation and, and what did you take away? Um I, well, I've always been very curious and interested in Reiki. I don't know a lot about it. I also saw that she would give relationship advice. And uh, I just thought, I want to hear from someone who makes a career out of, you know, helping people and healing people and being in tune with people. And I'm, I also am in um, a serious long-term relationship, but my boyfriend moved in, we had been long distance for a long time and he moved in right before the pandemic. And we've been very lucky that we enjoy spending every minute together. Um, hmm. But I, it has taught me a lot about relationship dynamics. And I think um, I was just really scrolling through to see the wide variety of people you talk to. And I was very impressed about that. And, and you know what? you know, when she like held out her hands and she was like, I'm sending everyone who's watching good energy. I felt it. It, it Yeah. It's amazing. Um, how different people connect with different people. I guess to say that poorly. Um, my joy is, is really to learn and discover so many different people. And, and, and I want to use the word diversity in, in a way that isn't only gender, but really different perspective, different personality, different, different education, different fundamental belief. Um, Cause uh, for me, there's just, there's just beauty everywhere. And if I put my, uh, my judgment on hold and, and really open myself and, and discover and play, then it's, it's just so much fun. And with Heather, who I've known literally since we were, well, I'm, I'm slightly older than her. So I've known her since she was born. Um, I learned stuff about her in this format than I wouldn't, you know, when I'm back in the States and in, in LA, cause they're up in La Crescenta. Um, we're not going to talk that deeply about her work. And so this is so much fun. So Hannah, yeah. last, last question. Can you share the, the Schwarmy story? Cause we, we, we got distracted and I started to salivate because that's something that, you know, is such a, uh, a meaningful uh, thing. Schwarma in uh, Western European culture. Can you share that? And then we're going to, we're going to wrap up. Sure. 
yeah, my, my family, which is my mother, my father, and I have a slightly younger sister. We lived in Antwerp, Belgium for a year when I was a freshman in high school. And both my sister and I went to um, public Flemish speaking schools. This was like, my parents let it be our choice. We could go to an American school if we wanted, but we're masochists, I guess. So, um, so it was quite a year, you know, being a freshman sucks no matter where you like live and um, are going through all the changes with your body and social life. And so I will never forget that year. And we were all struggling in a variety of ways, but we became a very, very tight knit family while we were there. And every Sunday we were sort of surprised by, um, you know, some of the European traditions that we weren't used to as Americans, like that pretty much everything is closed on Sundays or at least was then. And we would, you know, all of a sudden not have groceries or not be able to go out to eat. And there was a little restaurant on the corner that sort of just had like a window of like amazing um, uh, kebabs and a donor behind the, behind the glass. But I always got a shawarma roll, always little deep fried, you know, the little diced up meat deep fried in this like taquito breaded roll. And I just started calling my sister shawarmi or I called her shawarma and then I called her shawarmi. And then when I went back to the States, I called all my friends shawarmi and they called me shawarmi. And so it was my, my earliest email address was shawarmi 99. I was a class of 99. And um, yeah, it's just stuck with me. It's a great, it's a great word because if you need a username, no one has ever misspelled shawarma and chosen shawarmi. So Fair enough. I, and I love it. And it, right when I saw it, I was like, hey, there, there must be a story there. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. And again, for anyone who'd like to hear more, um, 18th to the 21st of March, there's Filmapalooza, the, the global festival of the 48-hour film project for which Hannah and I are both alumni um, and have been instrumental in our sort of, you know, film feature, you know, exploits since then. Um, on the 20th, so that's the Saturday, there's going to be a panel of us um, being interviewed by Mark Rupert. Um, so if you want to learn more, and maybe go deeper in some of this, please join us for that live conversation on the 20th of March. I think LA time will be sometime in the morning, 10 or 11 in the morning, because it's, it's, I think it's you know, late afternoon, evening here. Um, really looking forward to that and seeing what, what else we, we discover. So uh, Hannah McPherson, thank you so much for joining. It has been um, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to learn more about you on the 20th. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player and download the Simplicity Kit from ebullient.com.